Is that okay? Or we'll be tired or we'll be hungry. Anyway, depending on how things go, we'll see. All right. Is it JD? That was awesome. God bless you. I'll be speaking with us on what I have termed the journey of life. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Valentine's Day. We understand the distortions of Valentine's Day and all that. But we are here in church as your people. Speak to us. Show us things that we need to know in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll be talking to you about what I have entitled the journey of marriage. And we'll be looking at the various stages of marriage. It says that if you marry the right person, every day is Valentine's Day. If you marry the wrong person, every day is Martha's Day. And if you marry the lazy person, then every day is Labor Day. But if you marry a rich person, then every day is New Year's Day. And if you marry an immature person, you can be sure that every day will appear like Children's Day. And if you marry a cheater or a liar, every day will become April Fool. If you don't get married too, every day is Independence Day. <laughs> Marriage is such a complicated journey. Marriage is such a complicated journey. I said here last two years that Perfect people don't marry. It's imperfect people that marry. And that is the biggest challenge of marriage. And that is why those of us who are single, we need to pay attention to the things that pastor shared with us. I'm sure many of us were just laughing over them, and some of us were just having fun. But look, pay attention. Those of us who are married, some of us did not pay attention early enough. And we paid for it in marriage and we had to go through a very long way to learn things that we should have learned before we got married. So let's get serious. Rohan Bonke says that a perfect marriage is one in which two imperfect people marry and they understand that they are imperfect. You see, Pastor was talking about don't look for Mr. Right. You, are you Miss Right before you're looking for Mr. Right? But it's a mistake that many of us make. Unconsciously, everybody is looking for what they call the ideal husband or the ideal wife. Let me, disc- let me give you my definition of the ideal husband or the ideal wife. The ideal husband, the ideal wife, is the one who obeys scripture, period. If you forget anything that I say tonight, remember this. If you obey scripture, you will not have challenges in your marriage. I've never shared this with pastor before, so I don't know why he wanted me to share this about how I met my wife. I was an unbeliever. I was in the world. And... um, I had girlfriends, and at a stage, I was moving with my girlfriend. And then I got born again, and I was still moving with my girlfriend. And the brothers were concerned. The sisters were concerned. Meanwhile, I was a very, very serious Christian, very prayerful, fasting, evangelism, discipleship, doing all the, the things that any solid Christian should be doing. Yet, I was moving with my girlfriend. And all the brothers and sisters, every day they were talking. And I didn't get them. I didn't understand them. That's what I'm telling you that those of you who are single, listen. Don't just ignore the things that pastor shared with us. Then, 
at a stage, I realized that the brothers stopped talking and the sisters stopped complaining. So I thought everything was okay. So me, I continued to live my life. But they were not doing anything bad. But she was my girlfriend. Then one day, I heard God's voice very, very clearly. The devil has a hold on your life because of this girl. I didn't understand. Honestly, up to today, I still don't understand. So, now, it was not the brothers or the sisters. It was God telling me, break up. How do I break up? I want to obey God too. All my friends knew. We were almost at the verge of talking about marriage. All our families knew. How do I go and tell my friends and my family that God said we should break up? Does it make sense? But it makes a lot of sense to God. I didn't know how to go about it. So, I was a fairly young Christian, but very zealous as well. So, I organized some Holy Spirit baptism with my girlfriend together with some other people. Uh, Reverend Pierre Kofi's uh, siblings and their mother and their family. So, we met in his house and then we, we taught, we prayed and uh, it took a while but everybody received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we went home. When we got home, then I called my girlfriend and I told her in simple terms, God says, we should break up. I was expecting all kinds of violent, typical female reactions, but there was absolutely no reaction. Now I started getting confused. But not long after that, and I'm, I'm not talking about days, and I'm not even talking about hours. Somehow, how the Holy Spirit did it, I don't know. But I began to understand some depths of what love is that I never knew before. Today, that is my wife. She was my girlfriend. The reason why I share this dimension of the story with us is that, look, if you want to have a good relationship, want to have a good marriage, be prepared to obey scripture. When God speaks to you, and I'm not talking about when a prophet speaks to you. When God speaks to you and you hear him, obey him hastily. Don't delay. It may appear sometimes foolish, but the foolishness of God is more wiser than the wisdom of men. So, my simple instruction to us, simply obey the scriptures. I would have liked to, loved to read two long scriptures, but because of time, I'll skip it. So, we want to talk about the journey of marriage. The journey of marriage always begins with the single life. Pastor talked about how he proposed to his wife and the, response, the first response that he got. But before he even proposed, he didn't know the wife from anywhere. They may have met, we haven't talked about this, but they may have met at fellowship or they may have met somewhere. The time that they first met, they were complete strangers to each other. Today, it is not the same. They have gone through a very long process. So, the first stage of marriage is actually where you are complete strangers to each other. You don't know each other from anywhere. And many of us, or some of us, may be at that stage now where we are single, we are unattached, and we are just single. Please, learn to enjoy your single life. Learn to develop yourself as a person. 
Learn to live an independent life. Don't wait for somebody to come into your life and change your shebre. It doesn't work that way. Be yourself. Grow up as a Christian. Spend time praying. Not necessarily, oh God, my wife. Oh God, my husband. No. Oh God, your will. Oh, that I may grow. Oh, that I may be more like Christ. Oh, that I may please you in all that I do. I know there are some of us, we, for now, yes, we know one day we'll, we'll get married, but we're not thinking about marriage. This is the time to build this area of your life. The second stage in this journey is where you are single, but you think that you are getting there. And so now you start saying, and you start praying, and you start dreaming, and you start looking. There is a subtle danger that we can fall into at this stage of the journey of marriage. Instead of continuing to develop the first stage of the journey, where you are building yourself as a Christian, you are building yourself as a professional, you are building yourself in your work, you are building yourself to be independent and to depend on God and trust him with all your heart, you can easily and consciously begin to dream of somebody that you can lean on to change your life. And that is one of the reasons why, while you are searching, you are looking for somebody, especially the ladies, you are looking for somebody who has money. Somebody who has a house. Somebody who has cars. Somebody who has property. When I married, and I got married, I had no property. The only property in the whole world that I had, apart from the things that I had from the university, were two beds without mattress. She can attest to it. Even those two beds, it was she who pushed me to make the beds. I had nothing. My friends even used to laugh at my female friends. Some of them used to laugh at me because they come to my room and it's still typical student, student bed, she's student everything and you say you are going to get married. Some of you are looking at me strange. Because it, this is not the type of person you would want to marry. Today, look at me. Some people look at me and they have no idea where I have come from. Don't look for somebody who has sex, ladies. Look for somebody with potential. And sometimes you cannot easily see potential. But God will show you potential in the, prospect, the prospective husband. And that is why you must spend time in prayer depending upon him rather than depending upon the, thing that, the things that you see. And then the third stage of this journey is where now you get hooked or... I, I, I shudder to use some of these terminologies because they mean differently to different people. Or where you can say that you are attached or you are dating or you have a beloved or you have a boyfriend, you have a girlfriend or you are going out, whichever one sits well with you. Now, this is another stage where you can easily fall into a certain danger. Pastor mentioned something. I'm going to emphasize on it. Learn to be friends with the opposite sex. Don't let your beloved be your only friend of the opposite sex. You are not married. Let me give you an illustration from somebody that we counseled many years ago. When we joined Calvary Temple, um, there are certain people that I'm always attracted to, and I got attracted to one of such people. I always are, are attracted to people who are worshipful, people who 
pray. I mean, I, I just feel drawn to them naturally. That's why pastor is my friend. So there was this friend that I met very early, my first year in Calvary Temple. And as I got close, we started talking about uh, life. Then I asked about whether he was in a relationship. Then he said he was in a relationship. So he later introduced me to his uh, beloved. And uh, the first thing I told them, yes, you are in a relationship. But please, learn to make friends with the opposite sex. Not knowing, they didn't mind me. You spend your whole day. Now with technology, you wake up in the morning. Hey, babe, how are you? You get to the work, you, you call. Lunchtime, you call. Evening, you call. You get home. Even before you settle down, you call. And you chat. Ah, when it's time to sleep, you say, good night. You don't even pray properly. Good night. Then you sleep. Then the next morning, you wake up again and you call. That person is your, all your life. You don't even make time to call people in the church to find out how they are doing. You don't make time to follow up on your, 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 the people that you have talked to about Jesus Christ. You don't take time to find out how your department members are doing. All your life is now centered on one person. And unfortunately, even with that one person, some of the things that you do are not helping you. They're not building your life. I'll not even go to the sexual aspect. What do you talk about? What do you plan? What are the values that you focus on? What do you think about? What do you discuss? I'm challenging every one of us, especially those of us who are at this stage. Think about the things that you do together. Is it always about getting chocolate and getting some flowers or going out or getting a new dress? Those things are nice. They're just a small part of it. Learn to be friends. When God created Eve and brought Eve to Adam, God told Adam that I will make a helper or a companion fit for you. What does that mean? Pastor talk about the fact that you must have purpose in life. Otherwise, you're not ready to marry. When God made Adam, he made Adam, created a good environment for Adam. He gave Adam a job to do. He gave him responsibilities and he gave him rules. He asked him to keep the garden, take care of it, have dominion. That was his purpose. He gave him clear, a very well-defined purpose. And then he gave him clear instructions, spiritual instructions. Don't eat of this fruit. The day you eat of it, you die. God did not explain I was sharing some of these thoughts earlier for another church this week. And God done this on my heart. When God brought Eve to Adam, Adam said, wow, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. God said, I will make a helper. Adam saw flesh of my flesh. Guys, stop seeing shape. Stop seeing colors. Stop seeing curves alone. Do you see God in that person that you are entering into a relationship with? Do you see God's mind that the person is coming to help you to fulfill purpose? And what is your purpose? If you don't have purpose, you are not ready for serious relationship. So, back to the illustration I was giving. When, after five years, this young couple that I was referring to, they came to us and said they wanted to get married, so they wanted us to help them with marriage counseling. Look, we could never start the marriage counseling for three consecutive months. Anytime they come, they are quarreling. They are always in crisis, one or the other. So, every day, we do crisis management They'll go, they'll come back, another crisis management. And this went on for three months. And then at a stage, we took them through the rudiments of friendship. And I want you to listen very carefully because many of us make mistakes here. 
in marriage, in relationships, what really keeps the relationship going is not necessarily sex. It's not necessarily money. They have their part to play. But the key thing that keeps a relationship going is friendship or companionship. So we took them through the rudiments of marriage, uh, of friendship, and we talk about the five levels of friendship. You know, friendship always starts like complete strangers. You meet, like you meet in church. Hey, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You know, uh, shout unto the Lord. You shout, scream. You, you don't even feel like shouting, but you shout. You know, you meet a brother, a sister. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. You're not even feeling fine, but you just respond by, by rote, I'm fine. And that is the first level of friendship. Like you have somebody you buy kinky from all the time. You go visit the person, hey, can you write design? And, and that is all the conversation. Every day you can't design and you are smiling and you think that you are friends. You are not really friends. The second level is where you become acquaintances. You become a little familiar with each other. You know a few things about each other, but you're not really friends yet. The third level of friendship is where friendship really begins. And this is the level at which you talk about issues. Mind you, you just talk about issues. You tell stories. You share things that are happening around you. And that is all the conversation. Or most of the conversation. At this level of friendship, you know, you don't really know each other. And unfortunately, many of us in relationships... This is the level of friendship we are at. And we think that we can marry with this level of friendship. You can't. You have issues. The next level of friendship is where friendship really begins. Deep friendship really begins. The kind of friendship that you need in any serious relationship and in marriage. At this fourth level of a friendship... You are talking about your opinions, what you think about issues, your motives, the things that drive you. You communicate at the feeling level. How do you feel about issues? You see, your opinion, your motives, your, your, your values, your, your, your feelings, this really show who you are. And until you start communicating at this level, you don't really seem to know each other. And the interesting thing is that you don't have to be close friends with people before developing this art of friendship at the fourth level. You can pick a few people because sometimes it involves a little bit of intimacy. You can pick out four or five people in the workplace, in church, and then when you talk, Learn to center the conversation, whatever the subject. Make sure you share your opinions. You share your values. You share how you feel about issues. Let's take a simple issue about the, the drama. The guy was talking about football. The lady is talking about Valentine, you are talking about football. Everybody has their own mind. Why not share how you feel when you are trying to draw your husband's mind or your friend's mind that to the father it is Valentine's Day and you are talking about something else, how you feel about it, your opinion about Valentine, what you expect and why you expect it. You see, when you, when you talk at this level, the person gets to know what is in your mind, what is in your makeup and, and the way you see life. You can practice this skill and this art with virtually anybody any subject. The last level is really the highest level of communication where you are friends, you are so transparent, so honest with each other that this is what the Bible describes that they were, they were naked and yet they were not ashamed. At this level, you are so open. Sometimes you, you have so communicated that sometimes you start talking about a subject and you know what your wife is going to say. You know what she's thinking. You know what he's thinking because you are sharing so much about yourself that you, it's as if there is some telepathy. It's not telepathy. It's just that you are open to each other and you are good friends. And so it's even, it becomes even easy. You are angry about something, but you can share how you feel about the thing that caused the anger 
without necessarily hurting the person out of your anger. What, what I'm sharing is deep. It's not that easy to practice, but you can start the art of learning it. That is the reason why you don't have to live your whole life with one person in mind when you're not married. Have a life. Have friends. Have other friends. Don't just have one friend. Now, there are a number of things that I wish I could have talked about um, that you need to be careful about when you are dating or courting. Um, but because of time, I think I'll limit those. And um, you want the married ones. Incidentally, interesting, you want the married ones. But the interesting thing is that some of the married issues will reflect on the single life. Because some of the problems that some of us are having in marriage is because we didn't build certain things properly in our single life. When we counsel people, one of the things that we talk about is your purpose in life. Your, your ministry as a couple. Many people don't even think about that. What will your marriage, what ministry is your marriage going to carry out? You see, a lot of us, we just see marriage as for me and my spouse, and we live together, and then we have children, and then we, we have fun, we have sex, we go out. Yes, those things are nice. But what does God want to do with your marriage? How is your marriage blessing people? You know why Florence is still awake? She's an early sleeper. By 7 o'clock, she's gone. So at the stage, I was asking her, are you feeling sleepy? And so I'm not feeling sleepy. Because <laughs> by 7 o'clock, she takes her bath, she lies in bed, watch, as she's watching you, she's ready to go. That is her life. But, because she feels she has something that she can impart, that's what she's sacrificing. She's here. <laughs> For some of us, because of the way God has made us, our home can be a home to homeless people. And through hospitality to homeless people, they see the love of God. Some people, their home, no visitors. Let me not go there. <laughs> because you're also on air. I like to talk very intimate and practical issues, but we are not air, so there are some things I think it's not appropriate to say. But while you are dating, remember to continually grow as a Christian. What are you doing in church? Are you involved in any department? I was surprised. Carrie's temple, I know Carrie's to be a prayerful church. And we are fasting. And when I asked whether you fasted, most of us could not confidently say that we fasted. You see, even your response right now. <laughs> and then you come next week and say, flaming altars. Your altar will not flame if you're not fasting when it's time to fast. What are you doing in church? And beyond what you do in church, what is your personal ministry? I was challenging some people recently about what I call functional ministry and personal ministry. They're not the same. You can be a member of the choir, you come for rehearsals, you sing in church and you do all that. That is functional ministry. What is your personal ministry? Pastor is our pastor. He preaches to us, he teaches, he organizes, he structures and does all that which is good. That is functional ministry. He must have a personal ministry. God is going to hold us accountable for personal ministries. Because you see, some of us, if the church doesn't organize it, we don't do anything. That's how you know the difference between functional ministry and personal ministry. You must be balancing both of them. 
The Bible says that in him we live and move and have our being. Continue in that as a single person and when you get married, continue in that. You must continually be growing. All of us, I mentioned earlier on that we are all imperfect. All of us have our weaknesses and we are all different. You cannot live in your weaknesses forever and tell yourself, ah, for me, that is how I am. If in your house, you don't give flowers like our husband in the drama. In your house, you don't give flowers. You, 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 the way you grew up, look like my wife. In their house, they didn't even know what birthday is. They, don't, they didn't even know the birth dates of their siblings. There was so much poverty. Siblings were looking after siblings. What is birthday? It is not that they are grown, that they try to make their birthday something that, because they missed it when they were young. If you don't know some things, if you have certain weaknesses, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. It's one of his responsibilities. He helps us in our weaknesses. Don't say that is how you are. Okay. Learn to develop a better version of yourself. You are somebody, you grew up, you have your strengths and you have your weaknesses, you have your temperaments. You, you are and have all that you have, which comes along with weaknesses. Learn to strengthen those weaknesses. You, you learn some of these things when we interact with other people because you realize that as you engage other people in friendship, you see that they have some strengths that you don't have. And you wonder, how come these people are able to do this and me, I can't do it? And it always challenges you to do it. At least to improve. To become better. And as you do that, you become a better version of yourself. There's one thing in all relationships that still baffles people. We are always attracted to the opposite of us. That's why it doesn't make sense for men to be attracted to men. That is not God's design. Apart from the sex dimension, we are always, I was discussing with uh, uh, my wife when we were coming. Uh, she doesn't seem to know um, Pastor Priest very well, so I was saying, oh, Pastor Priest is very free. I mean, he will even start engaging in conversation. And I was saying that um, Lady Pastor is not like that. She is more quiet. She is reserved, you know. Generally, every one of us, unconsciously, we are attracted to somebody who is the exact opposite of us. It's not deliberate. Look at every marriage. Look at every relationship. If the man is a talker, the woman is, 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 is soft. If the man is giddy giddy, the wife, the woman is calm. Whether in a relationship or marriage. And sometimes you ask yourself, how can these opposite people decide to be in a friendship? It's because the way God designed us, all of us realize that we have some weaknesses. And when we see our weakness as a strength in somebody, you admire it and you are drawn to the person. But if you don't learn to work on yourself and grow as a person, what happens is that the same strength in the person that you admire, that drew you to the person. You get married. That same strength will trouble you. You will be angry at that same strength. For example, my wife talks, and I'm the quiet type. People don't believe that because I preach a lot, but I'm very quiet. I'm, generally, I'm very quiet. You have to believe me. You can ask my wife later on. When I'm preaching, it's a, different, it's a different thing, but I'm generally very quiet. If you want to notice, see me at parties. You see me in a corner, quiet, I'm not making friends, I'm just to myself. But my wife is the one who talks a lot. People think that she's quiet. Uh, you get close to her and see. Now, because I am quiet, I admire the talking nature of her. 
But sometimes at home, why you want to require small? Then she's talking to her. In the, in the house, we call her Kasaporo. I mean, she, she, even those in the house who talk, hey, she's a senior talker. <laughs> but, you see, I've only mentioned this as a simple, as a single example. There are several examples like that in our own lives. It's not just one, not just two. So you need to understand that there are differences, there are weaknesses that you need, every side needs to work on. And if you are continually making the effort, you notice the impact on your uh, relationship. One thing I want to add on to something that Pastor shared with us for the singles. Please, when you are looking for a husband or a wife material, at that stage it's just friendship. Please open your eyes. Open your mind and shut your heart. Go searching. Go looking with your eyes wide open. And I'm not talking about eyes just seeing physical things. Open your eyes to see physical. Open your eyes to see spiritual. Open your eyes to see the social. If you don't, and you allow your emotions to get involved too quickly, you you won't see anything again. You won't see any weakness. You think this boy or this girl is the best thing that ever happened to me. Yes, it may be the best thing that happened to you, but like Pastor Kucho always says, it comes with a whole package. You cannot take that best thing and throw the package away. You have to learn to live with the package as well as what you like. So open your eyes. Examine. Can I live with this character? Can I adapt to this character? Is she or he doesn't change? Can I live with her all the days of my life? These are things you need to think about and pray about before you allow your emotional aspect to fall in love. Fall in love first with your mind and your eyes. And then as you are searching, make up your mind that as I'm going into marriage, I am going to make this marriage work. There's no turning back. You should be resolute at the time that you are searching. Listen to me. Every marriage, right from day one, right from the honeymoon, there are enough reasons why the marriage will end up in divorce. Every single marriage without exception. Whether it will end up in divorce, whether it will be a broken marriage, or whether it will be a good marriage, depends on how you relate, how you continue to grow, and how you work at it and build it up. One anger, which comes from a disagreement, can help you to become better friends, or it can make you develop scars and bitterness in your heart and begin to build grudges. And over time, these grudges will lead to something which will not be pleasant in the marriage. Okay, let me quickly jump to um, the next stage of the marriage journey when we actually enter into um, the marriage. I didn't have time to talk about the courting and then the actual preparation towards marriage, but maybe that may be for another time. The first stage of marriage, the second part of the journey, is what we often refer to as the honeymoon. It's an interesting phase, but at the same time, a very dangerous phase. It's a phase where we discover each other. It's a phase where we have a lot of fun, but at the same time, is the phase where a lot of our differences begin to show up. Anybody who is married will tell you, those of you who are in relationships, that look, marriage and relationship, they are not the same. But the thing is that when the marriage people tell you, you, you look at them and say, what are they talking about? 
Relationships and marriage are two different things altogether. And I often tell people, until you have married for about 10 years, you haven't really entered into marriage yet. I can say so because we have been married for 35 years. We have counseled different people of different ages, different professions, different, different attitudes and backgrounds. And I know exactly what I'm talking about. The first two years of marriage, especially the first six months, are extremely turbulent and very difficult. Because suddenly, you begin to see all kinds of things that you weren't seen before. And you begin to wonder, ah, who have I married? Character that you thought you knew, you start seeing the exact opposite. You think that you are a good girl, and suddenly your husband is criticizing you from head to toe every day. I say, ah, what is wrong with this man? I, I was a good lady until I married you. The problem is you, it's not me. And the husband also will be thinking exactly the same thing. What happens in these first two years of marriage is that you begin to adapt to each other. You, you see these differences, you can either get angry at the difference. That's the reason why some people divorce in the first year of marriage and we don't understand. Because they are not willing to work on these differences. Remember that we were opposites and got attracted. But we have to keep working on each other. Look, some of these differences come from our character. Some come from our upbringing. One of my favorite soup is palm soup. And I don't like it light. I like it very thick. My wife, she dislikes palm soup. She doesn't like it. Her favorite soup is light soup. I hate it, light soup. This had got nothing to do with character. Growing up in their house, the father was a prison officer. They had some palm trees around. Every day, palm no soup. Every day, palm no soup. So they cut palm nut. She, she have cut palm nut soup. She doesn't want to see palm nut soup at all. Sometimes she prepare palm nut soup for the dogs, and then we are yearning to eat the palm nut soup. And no palm nut soup for us. But that is her. Me too. I hated light soup. Why? I didn't know until one day we were doing counseling. And as we were counseling some people, the thought just came to me: Why I hated light soup? I didn't even know myself. In the same way, many of us, some of the differences that we have, we don't know why we are the way we are. That's why it's important to take time to share about each other. Share your opinions. What happened to you when you were born? Growing up in primary school, in secondary school, in the university. Share your experiences because through sharing your experiences, your partner will get to know certain things about you that you didn't know any other way. Growing up, we were poor. Poverty was in our house, but... So, we prepare soup, especially granola soup and palm nut soup. It's only the first day that you drink fresh palm nut soup or fresh granola soup. The next day, dilution theory. Because the soup must last about three or four or five days. So, every day, the palm nut soup was like light soup. The granola soup was like light soup. No, the first day, everything was intact, so it was, it was tasty, it was nice. The second day, plenty of water. Third day, water. The last day, it is like light soup. So I hated light soup, and I didn't know why. But since we shared these experiences, we now understand each other. And today, after a long time, I had a pound of soup this afternoon. <laughs> But on a more serious note, if you don't learn to change, especially to adapt to each other in the first two years, there are four things that we always recommend strongly for 
newly married couple, and even for marriage for the rest of life, learn to continually adapt to each other. Don't force your partner to change. You rather change in order to make sure that the relationship uh, is fine and keeps going well. Secondly, learn to appreciate your partner. Don't take your partner for granted. Like the drama we saw. The guys who go to work and come back every day, the woman there, she's just waiting for flowers, waiting for chocolate. You will not even say thank you that you sacrifice your sleep, you sacrifice your design. No. The man said he was hungry. The food that you have been eating every day, do you even say thank you for cooking the food for me? Many of us are guilty. No. Learn to appreciate every little thing that comes to your mind. Even the Bible tells us that you must enter God's house with thanksgiving. You must have a grateful heart. You must appreciate your partner. So learn to continually appreciate your partner. And beyond appreciation, learn to admire your partner. If you see something nice, talk about it. Don't keep it in your head. Some of us who are introverts, we are very good at that. We keep a lot of the things in our head. We admire, then we look at it, then we don't, we don't say it. It's not good. Let's learn to say it, those of us who are like that. So learn to continually develop these things, especially in the first two years of marriage. Now, if you don't continually do this properly in the first two years, and that's why those two years are extremely important, if we don't learn to adjust properly what happens between the, the third and the seventh year, by that time, children begin to come into the home. Your friendship level has gone down because you have not worked on it properly. Now, it is the children that bind you together. Everything you do, all your relationship is about the children. Taking care of them, their school fees, their health. You know, both of you are bonded to the children. So, you forget about your differences and you focus on the children and the children keep bonding you together. By the time you enter about 25 years of marriage, 20, 25 years of marriage, where the children have grown up, they are in boarding schools, you hardly see them. Some of them may have grown and even started working we are in the same house, but you hardly meet. I have grown-up children in my house. Sometimes for three continuous days, you don't see them. We are all in the same house, but you don't see each other. And even if you see each other, they have their own programs. They have their own life. And it's like their life is now more centered outside the home than home-centered. And before long, they start getting married. Two of my children are married and they have left home. Verse wow. they all married and we shall, we shall go back to square one, how we started. By the time you get to that stage where you go back to where you started from, if you haven't grown together, if you haven't been companions all these years, at that stage of your relationship, there's no life together. That's why you see couples 25 years, 30 years, 35 years of marriage, you see them in church every day smiling and think everything is okay. But because they haven't built friendship together, they haven't grown together, they start getting divorced. I shared this with a church, and then one person came to me and said, ah. In fact, there was a 70-year-old man who just got divorced, and he didn't understand it. That's what happens. There's no life. We are just there together. In fact, the worst is those who decide that because of their differences, they even decide to sleep in separate rooms. Like even the, 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 the presence of the person puts you off. Hey, the one that you started with, and you said it's the best thing that ever happened to me, with all the honey and all the sweet words that you, you, you. But that is what can happen to any one of us if we don't learn. That's why I, I, I took time to spend some time on the developmental stages of friendship. Because in marriage, the most important thing is friendship. You see, when you don't learn to talk and discover, the testimony that uh, Pastor Prince shared with us about the man who was gay, look, we, we, we happen to 
counsel somebody in a similar, uh, they had something similar. It's, it's most unfortunate. The friendship started from the internet. They didn't take time, and some of you are involved in that. They didn't take time to understand each other. And then they wanted to get married. Their families, one of the families were against it that no, this is not right, you don't know the person, you don't really know. So the, the one party decided you just go ahead. So they got married, had children, and then the Wahala started. They are still in it. Struggling. Don't allow such things to happen to you. So take time to build your relationship properly. And for those of us who are married, who may realize that we have made some mistakes from the past, determine to retrace your steps and start building again friendship. Friendship always starts with spending time with somebody. You see, some of us struggle to fast. Not because we like food, though. And this cuts across life. Simply because we don't really make time on a regular basis Oh, yes, I'm wrapping up okay. because of that. We don't make time to be in God's presence regularly. So when we have to fast, like, what is fasting? You don't even have time to spend together. So you don't have a good relationship with God. You see, the, the, the principles I talk about friendship, the same applies with God. Some of us, our friendship with God is very casual. Hi, God. Good morning, God. And that's it. That's the only relationship we have. And some of us, we've gotten to know God a little. Some of us, every day we just meet and tell God stories. Tell God plenty of stories. We don't even wait to listen to his stories. Until we get to that point where we can have time to tell God our mind. Even if we are wrong, it says, come and let's reason together. Tell God what you think about issues. Tell him what is going on in your heart, how you feel about him. And then take time to also listen to his opinion. You cannot tell him your opinion and then run off. Wait to hear his side of the story. And you can be sure that his side of the story will change your mind. Until you grow to that point where you are honest and open and transparent before God. You can share anything with God and you are ready to listen to God with anything that he tells you. You cannot build a meaningful relationship with God. If you don't build this kind of relationship with God, if God challenges you with the kind of difficult thing that he did with me, you never break up. And you can be sure the end will not be well with you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to me.